I am a disciple of my man of God. I am a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I do want to take time to just recognize those of you that are watching us um, for this series on Facebook and YouTube. Please, please like the Facebook page, share um, that. Please, please subscribe to our Destiny Generation channel. I'm telling you, I'm not just saying it because uh, I'm preaching it. I'm telling you, you have not heard these end time matters preached the way that I'm about to lay it out to you. Help you have some clarity on it. Something, you know, some people, where did you study this? Uh, Book of Revelation, um, the Bible, the Lord talking to me. Now, it, it is the word of God, so I can't say take credit like it's all mine, but I, the Lord gave me an insight that removed the doubt and the speculation that occurs with so many teachings in this area. So I'm asking you to embark with me on a journey. We're going to go through a journey together, and it's going to take us a, a minute to get through it, and that's okay. Um, but once you, we get through it together, there's going to be a certainty um, in your heart. And you need to hear preaching on this. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If I was the coach that Jesus is and I put my team on the field at the end of the game, I wouldn't hide the playbook from them. I would make sure that they not only knew the plays, but understood the timing because at the end of the game, it tends to get more exciting if it's a in, intense and if it's an intense event. Something happens, you know, when you're in the top of the ninth or in the when you hear the two minute warning, that's everybody plays things. All the players not only play, but they just play at a heightened at a heightened level of awareness. They often play beyond themselves because of they rise to the occasion. And so what I'm challenging you is when you get the right kind of understanding of end time events and where we are on God's prophetic time clock, you're going to rise to the occasion. There's going to be a part of you that says, I got to step up my game, baby. I'm the one that's on the field. It's time for us to win this thing and be out. All right. And so um, I want to teach this in a way some people refuse to teach in times events or many, many others teach it in a way that um, doesn't produce faith or comfort. I was talking with a apostle uh, Ruby Johnson here and I was telling her I, I've heard um, some people preach in time events when they get done with it. I want to take a shower. Um, and so you ain't going to have to do none of that. The word itself will cleanse you. He's going to wash you with water by his word. I'm telling you that there are codes, that there are keys, that there are truths that are discernible and defy contradiction. You can know where you are on God's prophetic time clock and make your calling and election sure. Please take the time to leave questions and even challenges in our comment section, and we'll make sure 
that we address those as best we can over the series. Periodically, we'll have services where we'll allow you to send um, just, just a, a free flow service. So we'll allow you to send stuff over Twitter and we'll flash that up on the screen and we're going to answer it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Um, my one rule is that I reserve the right to say, I don't know, and I'll study it and be back. Right, I'm not going to guess. I'm not going to wing it in Jesus' name. I will tell you that you will see some clarity in Scripture and that the core of the insights, while influenced by other, are truly insights, revelations, things that God showed me, and he showed me how things pick, put together. The, the, the Greek word for teaching in the New Testament, the, the Greek word for doctrine in the New Testament literally means beautiful teaching. Beautiful teaching. One of the things, one of the ways that I know is God, not because it makes me feel good, but it is beautiful. There's a certain, God has a certain swagger in how he does what he does. There's a certain aesthetic. You know, they talk about there's these beasts in heaven and they have all these eyes and wings and all these things. And um, and you look at them like, how does that look? Well, I know it's beautiful. How do I know? Because God made it and it's in heaven. It can't be ugly. He got all the ugly out when he kicked out Satan. And so there's a beauty to understanding his word, and we're going to help you to do that. Now, um, so that's what I want you to uh, know here. Let's, let's, let's begin. Okay, this study here that we are starting began as a result of some teaching that was done during our Leadership 2020 time, Back to the Future, Revelation on End Time Events. Um, one of my fathers in the faith, Dr. Mark T. Barkley, um, want to give him a shout out. Um, he, he ministered here on end time events and that were spoken of in scripture, but were unfolding in our time. His teachings, some of the feedback that I got from the congregation and my own prayer time at the end of the year prompted me to add some pieces about this to the handout that we gave you at the beginning that talked about um, our prophetic impressions for 2018. And so there are five statements from that list. And I'm just, this is, I'm building foundation. Okay. So I'm trying to build it a certain way. I got, I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you to your questions, but I want you to know how, like what you can't, you can't start the house on the third floor. Okay. That's one of the reasons why people come across so flaky is because they try to teach something and that don't they, that has no foundation or connection with what people already know. Okay, um, I didn't. I'm, you didn't come to this service. Don't know no Bible. So I'm telling you, it's one Bible and it's all connected. So what we're going to show you connects to what you already know. So here's five statements of the eight prophetic impressions that I gave you at the beginning of the year that undergird our teaching on this series. Number one, we said God is gracing the maturing aligned believer to multiply, to evangelize, follow up, disciple and oversee. You are commanded, commissioned and empowered. Leverage your position among them to call them out of darkness into the marvelous light. Now, why is that first one so important? Because some so many people want to focus on the antichrist who don't even know the Christ. I've had people ask me 
about the book of Revelation that they don't even, they want to know the revelation of John, but don't want to know John 3.16. I like that. You got that thing out of order, bro. Okay. And Jesus made the statement that the gospel of the kingdom must be preached to the ends of the world. Then the end will come. So there are going to be a lot of things happening at the same time. Don't miss that in the middle of the unfolding, your assignment hasn't changed. Okay. That's number one. Number two, Prayers of intercession and spiritual warfare will be necessary to reap the harvest of souls. Earnestly contend for souls to be brought into the faith. Withstand the onslaught of wickedness in our day. As you call your loved ones out before God, he will move on their lives. We gave you the example, you know, the apostle, uh, not the apostle Paul, the apostle Jesus, the apostle said of end time events that they would be like the days of Noah and like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Have you ever saw scriptures that talked about that? Yeah. Well, both Noah and Abraham got their family out of trouble. That's right. Amen. That's right. Yeah. Lot got out, not because Lot was good, but because his uncle Abe was good. That's right. And so... I want you to understand that as you see these things unfolding, it should motivate your prayer life and you should pray with some confidence that even your knucklehead nephews got to get out of trouble just because you praying. That's right. Amen. Okay. Number three, there is both a cloud of glory and a cloud of darkness coming upon the earth. Choose to run toward the glory or resign to be swallowed up by the darkness. You don't have the, the capability to just live life in neutral in the last day. You're going to have to pick a side, y'all. You're going to have to pick a side. Okay. Now, some people think that they can cruise on cruise control and be neutral. That's like them five foolish virgins that don't have enough oil. They was clean. But they still didn't pack enough for the journey. They thought it was, they packed an overnight bag for a long trip. So they wasn't prepared. I'm telling you, you're going to have to be intentional if you're going to walk and be delivered in the last days. Number five, excuse me, number four, be found in the house and at the altar of God. Are you still willing to repent? And to consecrate yourself. Now, this is the sentence that we deal with. If you judge yourself, you will not be judged with the world. Oh, sentences are going to be passed out. But because I've already got my sentence dealt with at the altar, even if you and me did the same dirt, we're not going to get the same punishment because I've put mine under the blood and you still out there doing your thing. Okay. The scripture says, if I judge myself, I will not be judged with the world. Only God can judge me. That shouldn't be something that makes you happy. That shouldn't. Listen, 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 listen. That shouldn't make you all excited. Only God can judge me. See, you got the wrong picture of Jesus, but I'm here to help you. That's why you watch it. 
Number five, Jesus said, you are a hypocrite if you do not understand the signs of the times. He said, y'all can look at the weather report and tell I got a knee, I got my knee starting to hurt. It's going to rain. That's what he said. Right. He said, you can judge the signs in the skies on natural weather, but you cannot judge the signs of the times. You just play in church. You just you just want hoop triggers and shout tracks. Shake your neighbor's hand three times and tell him, ah, listen, ain't nothing wrong with that if you're giving them some word. But some people, it's just a game. Don't get it twisted. I'm not saying everybody. It is. But for some people, they're going to play the game until the day catches them unaware. All right. You're a hypocrite if you do not understand the signs of the times. When you begin to see these things, lift up your heads. Your redemption draws nigh. Ah, I can kind of. Oh, Pastor David, now Jesus said no man knows the day or the hour. Well, he also said it's like Noah. Noah knew when the ark was finished. The ain't, he said it was like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. The angel told Lot, nothing can't happen until you get out the city. Okay. So do you see how people have created stuff? But see, when you go back, see, I just took you back to the future. Pastor David, I don't know. I don't know. You know, the term rapture is not in the Bible. The term Trinity is not in the Bible, neither. We've come up with other names to name stuff that is in the Bible. But let's go back to the future. Come on, Noah, tell me how it went. I was down here with the people. I was preaching to them. But while I was preaching to them, I was building something. I got inside that thing I built. I went up, up, up. While I was up, 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 God was cleaning this out, judging this. Bad stuff was happening. And then I came down, 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 down. I just took you back to the future, didn't I? Okay. So there are things that we can see from Scripture According to how Jesus tied the things together that can tell us from things that have happened, things that will happen. See, that's a lot more firmer than, well, you know, I heard that there's this company um, in Minneapolis and they're giving people plant in, chip implants and that's the mark of the beast. Stop that. Stop it. Just stop it. Stop now. And people will, they'll go to services and hear that kind of junk and call that, oh, I got a teaching on the book of Revelation. No, you didn't. You found somebody that gave you Google, not God. All right. So I have seven objectives for this series. Yeah, it's one of those. So I got to make sure I got it all done. When you're done, we're going to be done. Number one, to provide perspective into God's prophetic scriptures. There are scriptures of history. There are scriptures that tell truth of things that God has done, 
There are scriptures of promises. There are scriptures of judgments, but there are also scriptures of prophecy. God and prophecy is just God calling his shot in advance. <laughs> you ever, ever seen somebody up at the bat at a batter up and then he points over there and says, when you throw this card across the plate, I'm hitting it right there. They call their shot. They're saying, whatever you do, devil, that's what I'm going to do. I declare the end before the beginning. Okay, God calls his shots in advance. Now, see, that's a simple definition of prophecy, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Number two, to illuminate end time events. To illuminate end time events in a way that is consistent with all other texts of Holy Scripture. Full of hope, faith and love. Man. You know, I love every book, but I get to the last book and I went from a romance to Fright Night. <laughs> I, I read 65 books and I felt I felt the love of God. I got to the last one, man. It felt like Fright Night. Ah, I'm telling you, no, 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 no. The, prof, the prophetic scriptures of God love story, too. All right. Three. To acknowledge that God is both full of grace and mercy and also judgment and vengeance. Now, see, 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 how oh, Pastor David, you going me back. You taking me back to that old dispensation. I'm going to show you some New Testament stuff that says God judges. Yes, there are warming scriptures, but there are also warning scriptures. Some scriptures make you feel ooey gooey good inside. Campbell's is mm -mm good. There are scriptures that make you feel all good about how much he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how. But nobody has a song that says he judges us. Oh, how he judges us. But there's a scripture that tells me that everybody shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, why don't we have songs about he judges us? Oh, how he judges us when he does because he said he was. See, there are warming scriptures and everybody want to sing about them. But ain't nobody want to sing about the warning scriptures. Number four, to highlight patterns, principles, and personality profiles that appear repetitively in Scripture, enabling us to look backward and see forward. Now, see that? <laughs> Listen, that number four was pay dirt. That's the secret sauce of your pastor's special mix on the book of Revelation and end time events. That there are things that God has highlighted that appear over and over, and I can see it there and then know what's going to happen there. Now, we, we understand that with the first coming of Christ. Pastor David, tell me what you mean. Jesus said, just like Moses lifted up a snake on a rod, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Yeah. Just like... Abraham offered his son, 
to be sacrificed, believing he would rise again, must the heavenly father offer his son to be offered to, to rise again. Just like Jonah was in the belly of a whale three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the earth three days and three nights. And just like Jonah got up and got out and did his ministry, Jesus is going to do the same. So I have prophetic scriptures, patterns, and principles that I can look at the Old Testament and I could see the first coming of Jesus. I'm telling you, there's those same kind of patterns that can show his second coming too. Okay. Number five, to develop a prophetic viewpoint that informs our view on global events, but is not unduly influenced such that we can conform biblical prophecy, such that we try to conform biblical prophecy to current events, resulting in speculation, not spiritual expectation. Some people see the Antichrist under every door. You know, like some people say, man, I was trying to go to work today, but the devil got in my car. And it might not be the devil. You might just not have done your maintenance. (laughs) Well, just like some people see the devil under every bad thing, thing, every under every (laughs) every rock, right? Every nook and cranny, anything go wrong. It was the devil. No, you just, you know, you haven't been taking care of your health and you got sick. Okay. The same way people do that, they see the Antichrist under every development of technology. I don't want, I don't want, um, I don't want them to have driverless cars because you know the devil could take my car and zoom. Okay, all right. I'm come on now. I'm I'm not saying you know things don't happen, but people try to look out there and then tell what the Bible is saying instead of looking at the Bible and then seeing what the Bible says and God showing it to you out there. See the difference? So I don't look into the world to determine what the word says. I look into the word to determine what the world is. Because God always calls his shot first. He don't wait for it to happen and say, look here, Gomer, I guess this is what we're going to do. God declares he calls his shot before he shoots it. Number six, to motivate you to be about your father's business through understanding. Through an understanding of God's prophetic time clock, the most exciting part of the game is always in the final seconds. I mean, we we watch the highlight films of how people rise to the occasion to do great plays, things they hadn't even practiced at the tail end of the game. So if we understand where we are on the time clock, our motivation should be heightened to move forward in God. And then finally, finally, number seven, to give you comfort, confidence, and hope that God has a plan for your deliverance from darkness as he ushers in a new age. (sighs) Whatever else is going to go on, I know God got me in. (laughs) I'm going to stay. My relationship going to be, I was talking to the praise team on, um, I was talking to the praise team on uh, Friday. We was talking about worship, and I talked to them about the fact that 
Enoch walked with God. Scriptures in Hebrews 11 says that he pleased God. So walking and pleasing God must be synonymous. That walking with God, walking in a way that's pleasing, God interacting with you, you interacting with God. And of course, everybody says, well, God said, my house is closer to yours. Why don't you just go home with me? And, okay, I, I heard that. Okay, go ahead, get your preaching. All right, let me give you a different revelation. Enoch walked so close with God that before his first coming, Enoch saw his second coming and said in the book of Jude, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to convict the ungodly and to judge them of their ungodly ways, which they've ungodly committed. Enoch saw his second coming before his first coming. And then Enoch saw his second coming with all these saints and said, I'm going to be in that number. I'm going to get my ride up so I can come back down with them. The scriptures are supposed to give you that kind of comfort and hope that you're walking with God, that no matter what happens to anybody else, you know that you are secure in the hands of a loving father. Now, let's look at Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. This is one of our theme scriptures from this year. Isaiah chapter 60 verses one through three. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Wow, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And both of those were happening at the same time, wasn't it? Yes. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but want to be clear that Scripture has always had a pattern of two different destinies going on simultaneously in periods of great judgment. Two different destinies happening at the same time. I told you that Noah was in an ark riding high while people were drowning beneath his ship. The plagues were coming upon Egypt, Egypt while light was in Goshen and while protection from death was being given to God's people through the Passover lamb. Fire was destroying Sodom and Gomorrah while Lot was escaping and Abraham was watching the whole thing out of his tent door. Further, those who were protected exercised their faith and had corresponding works. It is clear that those who were delivered lived intentionally and lived different than those who were not. You're not going to be saved by accident. Noah wasn't. He spent time building an ark. God gave me this revelation. Y'all, listen to me. I'm your pastor. 
I'm working to build destiny generation into an arc that can cause people who understand the truth of the word of God and do the things that we teach here and live the life that I'm telling you that you will be delivered from the world. Noah built an ark. He was a preacher of righteousness. He saved his family and it judged the world. I want you to understand, listen, then you're going to have to live intentional. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, the plagues that destroyed the children of Israel did not come upon destroyed the children, the Egypt did not destroy the children of Israel. By faith, they applied the, the lamb, the blood of the lamb, so that the death angel passed over them. It all happened by faith. So you got to understand, you've got to understand that your deliverance ain't going to be an accident. You're not going to trip your way into heaven. If you're at the end of the game, baby, you're going to have to live intentional. Yes. I know God's intentional, but you're going to have to be intentional. Yes. All right. Well, Pastor David, those are Old Testament texts. You putting us under the law and Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Oh, really? Now, nah. that's what you said. OK, well, let's go to the New Testament. First Thessalonians. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Exhibit B is to the right of Malachi, just for all of you Bible teachers that are fact-checking me. All right? But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. The Apostle Paul said they understood biblical prophecy. For you yourselves know perfectly Oh, man, that means I'm supposed to know how this stuff's supposed to work. That the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, woman, and they shall not escape. They shall not escape. They shall not escape. Now, that wasn't in Genesis. That, that wasn't in Isaiah. Jesus had already done been to the cross. But they shall not escape. It wasn't in Old Testament. That wasn't in the Old Testament. You see why people know enough Bible to argue, but not enough to live right? Verse 4, but you, but you. Now, see, see, this is what, see, I didn't give you the gospel yet. I'm giving it to you right now. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, unless you play in church, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. Ah, if I'm intentional to walk in the light as he is in the light, I have fellowship with my brethren and he cleanses me from all sin. Me walking in the light is my walk, walking in my protection. We are not of the night, 
nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as other do, others do, but let us watch and be sober. Oh, I'm going to have to be intentional because even though I'm saved, I can be saved, but sleep. You know, that's what the five, that's what the five foolish virgins did. They fell asleep. Oh, so you telling me, Pastor David, that I can be saved but still miss it? Uh, apparently you can because he wouldn't tell you to not just be of the day, but make sure you stay woke. See, everybody want to stay woke. All right. <laughs> yeah. Everybody want to stay woke. Stay woke on Jesus, baby. Yeah. <laughs> stay woke. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stay woke. Okay. That's what he said. Didn't you read it? Stay woke. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. And it's not just talking about alcohol. It's talking about being drunk on the world. It's talking about being a person who sleeps on God. He telling you to do this, but you sleep. Let's stay up and pray. You sleep. <laughs> I, I, had, I went down to West Middlesex, and then I was, um, Bishop Thompson was there, and he was leading morning prayer, and he said, you know what, I've been, I've been praying at 5 to 6 a.m. since 1986, and I heard God say, bruh, it's time for you to get up out that bed. And then, so I'm starting, I'm working on my routine. I'm working on, I'm working on, but see, I'm still getting the hour in, but sometimes I'm sleeping in. And then I had a dream and I was like, I feel like, you know, when Jacob said the Lord was in this place and I didn't know it. Then I, I said, no, 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 God, you, you serious about my time with you at five and 6 a.m.? I, <laughs> I woke up like Joseph when he was in Bethel. He said, the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. I'm like, no, God is like, uh, uh, what you doing, bro? I thought we had an appointment. So now I got to get my act together. I got to, <laughs> honey, you can roll over you want to. That's, that's, that's Lady Nedja. Ain't no other honeys rolling over with me, just so we all clear on it. I'm woke. Okay? You can roll over, because God didn't give her the, the instruction. I got to do what it takes for me to stay woke. Okay? But I'm clear. And I'm, listen, listen. My notebook filling up with instructions. Full up with instructions. Full up with instructions. Because I'm staying sober. Because I'm watching. Because I'm being of the light and of the day. Because we have in daily check-ins on how things are going. Because my sin account is staying shorter when I got to see him the next morning. <laughs> okay, now you can, all right, you do it the way you want to. I'm telling you, it's working for me. And when I missed it, he made sure to let me know that I had missed it too. Now, verse 8, wait, verse 7, let's do verse 7. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Jesus said, men, see, Night doesn't just mean, okay, you know, you good because you work third shift. That's not what he's talking about. It's talking about living a life that, that you're okay with exposure. 
I don't want nobody in my business. I don't want nobody judging me. Then they wear T-shirts. Only God can judge me. As if that gives them a pass. Listen, listen, listen. When God step up to really judge you, you're going to wish you had listened to me. When God step up and really start judging, see, <laughs> this, this is what I wrote in my notes when God was telling me that he wanted me to pastor. I said, Lord, listen, this is what I want. I want to build an ark like Noah built in his generation. That everybody that listens to me as their preacher of righteousness and does what I say is that they're delivered. But, Lord, everybody that gets a chance to hear me and ignores me, I want hell to hurt them worse than everybody else. Because you get judged according to the knowledge that you have available to you. See, I tell people, listen, I can't backslide. I know too much to backslide. There's special sections of hell reserved for people that know what I know. I can't. (laughs) I'm running for my soul, man. I know too much about God. Jesus said it this way, those who know my will and don't do it will be beaten with many stripes. Those that don't know will have few stripes. See, hell has a variable temperature system and you get punished according to the level of knowledge that you have or the knowledge that was available to you that you did not access. So I'm telling you something, Destiny Generation, I preach too good. If you go to hell, it's going to hurt you worse than other folks because you have a lot of knowledge made available to you. That's just scare the hell out of you if it doesn't. Because when I think about that one, that's what gets me. Listen, I'm trying to tell you, this is how it works. You got to understand. This is not, this is your soul. You got one shot at this. You do not get a do-over. And you got to be that serious about it. All right. Now look at verse 8. But let us who are of the day... Be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope, the hope, the hope. We don't spend a lot of time talking about hope. The hope of salvation. You're supposed to have a blueprint that says, God's coming to get me. Because my faith's going to work on that blueprint. If you just, I don't know, maybe, maybe it'll work. Maybe I'll jump and he'll catch me the rest of the way. No, you need to be clearer than that. I'm just saying. You're supposed to have a helmet of the hope of salvation. Verse 9. Now, this is the key one here. This is our stamp. I know there are certain Christians that want to tribulate. And if that's where your hope is, according to your faith, so be it unto you. But I'm going to take my hope and I'm going to build it on 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9. Let's look at it. For God did not appoint us to wrath. Let me say it one more time. For God did not appoint us to wrath. Let me say it one more time. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you can tribulate if you want to. I've determined I'm going to make my appointment if you choose to miss yours. Got it? Okay. So when people want to convince you 
that believers have to go through tribulation, you tell them that that's not my appointment. Don't be tardy for the party. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a marriage supper of the lamb. Don't be tardy for the party. Seven quick points from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Number one, God expects you to not be ignorant of the things called times and seasons. Number two, there's a special day of judgment here called the day of the Lord. Now, if I believe all the other scriptures, then I need to believe this one, too. I don't get the right to say, well, I don't think the day of the Lord is. Okay, all right, you can stay asleep if you want to. Right? Now, either we're going to believe Paul or we're going to believe you. Right? Uh, Note that this is not an Old Testament scripture, so grace doesn't exempt you from the day of the Lord. Can't be any clearer than that. Because I got the hyper grace people that said, just I can just I can just do anything and live any old kind of way. I can be drunk. I, I know I know preachers that open up beer in a pulpit. <laughs> My daughter's down in Ann Arbor. They talking about <laughs> Jesus in some name of some drink. Child, please. The Bible say don't be drunk. I went to this conference on millennials and they said, hey, what if they ask you, um, it, you know, because they saying, you know, you, 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 you people, you know, y'all hardcore is just one way or the other. And and millennials don't like that hardcore stuff. And, and so they went around and said, what if somebody wants to have, you know, a Bible studies with mimosas and mimosas is apparently some kind of champagne um, orange juice drink. You see, somebody know what that stuff is. Okay, okay, all right. The altar is open after church is over. And um, and so everybody is going around the room. And listen, 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 listen. Yo, pastor, I'm not freaking out. I'm not freaking out, okay? I know I can't because I have a call on my life, right? And I look at Leviticus chapter 10, and he told me as a preacher, I can't, I can't, I can't. Now, I'm not putting everybody in hell who do. I'm not. I'm just telling you I can't. Can't do that. Can't play with it. Can't play with it. Okay. And so they went around and they were like, and everybody was up there saying, well, I guess so. Maybe if she got to me and I said, no. (laughs) No was a complete sentence. I was ready to explain why it was important, how I believe alcohol will deter you from destiny, how I believe that we're setting standards and we're not saying that people, you know, I'm not telling you you, that 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 one drink is going to put you in hell. I'm just saying it's a bad witness. I was ready for all that conversation. She got to my note and kept it moving. See... People don't want to deal with the fact that there are certain things that God will judge. The marriage bed is honorable and undefiled. I get freaked with Nedra. Jesus is happy. That's it. I'm sorry. I just, your pastor's your pastor. But he says, whoremongers and adulterers. I know that was a picture you didn't want. Whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. 
See, you got to <laughs> you got to know where it is. What's going on? That was in the book of Hebrews. So he don't you can't say, well, he understand I got special needs. How do you get that? He said, God will judge. God will judge. Okay, if it's a man judging, then somebody could take care of it. But when God judge, what we gonna do about that? Number three, it is clear from the scripture that some will be enjoying themselves until destruction arrives and they will not avoid destruction. That's what that scripture said very clearly, didn't it? Like a thief in the night. Like a burger breaking in after it's dark. They're going to be partying in the dark and then a burglar going to break in on them. That's what he said. They're going to be drinking and partying and sleeping and the burglar going to break in on them. Okay. Number four, the destruction will come as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Now we had a pregnant woman give birth today. I don't know if Castlin and, and Andre are watching. Praise God for you. I'm just going to use you in a message since it happened today and I'm preaching on it today. Now, most people that preach these scriptures, because it's men preachers, they just say it's going to be painful. That's not what he said. Because labor pains go in increasing intensity and closer proximity. Uh-huh. So it's saying that as we get closer to the end, things are going to get more and more painful. And just when you get past one, another one's coming. Where are your contractions? Are they three? Are they a four or are they a nine? Get that epidural. Get the epidural right now. Poke me, baby. I need some relief. That's what he said, didn't it? So we should expect that as the game gets closer to the end, things will get more intense. We should not be surprised by that, should we? All right. Number five, but we see a different destiny for the vigilant believer, the believer that stays woke, stays in the day, stays walking in the light, deals with sin issues when God's dealing with them about sin issues. People that walk in the light, deal with their stuff, hold themselves accountable. People that's not playing church, slipping, dipping, and tripping. They have a different destiny. People that's packing enough oil, not just enough just to barely stay saved. Number six, we must lead a spiritually sober life. Don't get so caught up in going along with the world that you don't know what, how to go along with the word. Amen. Live a life of faith in Jesus and love for him. He says you put on a breastplate of faith and love and have a helmet, a picture, an expectation, a blueprint that this life is going to mean God's coming to get me. When this stuff go down, I'm going up. I can't, y'all, I can't play church. I don't want them to catch me with my work undone. That's 
Pastor David, you mean we can't have fun? I ain't say that. Don't have no fun you can't take Jesus with. Well, Nedra and I, we, we went to um, Tenerife and the Canary Islands. And, um, you know, in Europe, man, they sunbathe. So the sisters out there, they boobies are just flopping in the wind, just getting, getting their tan on. That's not what I came here for. We need to move. I don't need my, I don't need that. Now, see, I didn't go to the beach. I wasn't, I, I didn't, I wasn't stopping by a strip club. I wasn't, I wasn't, I was minding my business. I was on a beach. I had my books. I was preparing for my Bible study, watching the water and waves, you know, enjoying myself. And all of a sudden, flop, plop, and there they are. But I got to stay sober. I, I can't afford to let that good stuff get in me. I can't. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Now, listen, I left that beach. I saw what she had. I wasn't looking. She was showing. I, I wasn't, your pastor wasn't peeping. That's right. She was showing. My wife was with me. I wasn't out there trying to do something on my own, but I had to keep it moving. But because I'm sober, I, that stuff didn't attach itself to me. That's right. Amen. I'm walking in the light, baby. Uh-huh. I'm not in darkness. I'm not, I'm not trying. This is not a game. It's not what I do in front of you. It's what I live at home. It's what my kids see. This is how I live. I walk in the light as he is in the light. Yes. Men hate light because their deeds are evil. When you're doing dirt, that's why people don't want to be around you. When you got light shining, they got they they mad at you. They ain't mad at you. The light is messing with them. See, people people will will criticize somebody like me because I teach that you can unleash the increase of faith, and they think that I think. That faith is all about cars, cash, and cribs, but I never said that. Now, I ain't mad with cars, cash, and cribs. I got cars, I got cash, and I actually got cribs. I ain't mad with that, but my faith is more than that. This scripture tells me that I have to use my faith to avoid calamities, catastrophes, and cataclysmic judgments that are coming on the world. Oh, so faith is more than just, I just believe I received the bigger car. Listen, you better take that hoopty and ride to heaven if necessary. I'm just saying. It, don't get it twisted. And I'm not even telling you you got to stay in a hoopty. I'm just telling you, make sure the main thing is the main thing. Jesus said, don't get drunk on the world and have this day catch you unaware. Be, be found worthy to escape these things and stand before the Son of Man. Those were Jesus' words. They're in red. Amen. Did you get something out of this so far? Yeah. All right. 
So as we look to the Word of God to study prophetic scriptures, there are some grounding principles. I'm going to start these principles today. I'm going to hit some highlights. I might even jump to some juicy parts, just, just to whet your appetite. You know, I'm just giving you an appetizer for the main meal. Some of these principles that will ground our study are obvious and commonly acceptable, commonly accepted. Others are not clearly held through the body of Christ, but are critical to help us understand the scriptures. So eight critical perspectives on end time events. Let's get this list up. This is an important list because I'm going to take some time and walk through this list. And it's very important that you get this because this this will guide everything that we do. And this is the foundation from which we're going to build. Number one is what I call the preeminence principle. What is the preeminence principle? The preeminence principle simply means Jesus is the subject. He is the preeminent thing. He is the preeminent cause. All right. And so if you do any study on end time events and the Antichrist is bigger than Christ, they got it wrong. If they if you derail into a side topic instead of the main topic, you did something wrong. Jesus is the main idea. He is the preeminent one. Number two. All the scriptures form a single book written by a heavenly author. It is 66 connected books, not 65 plus an appendix that we aren't supposed to read or can't understand. It's all the same book. So there must be a way if properly taught from the perspective of faith, love, and a hope of salvation and being sober and vigilant that I can understand how this thing's going to unfold. It's all the same book. The same Holy Spirit wrote them all. He wrote it all. Okay? So it all fits together. Right. Number three. Prophetic scriptures give us a sense of time, timing, and the times so that we can be in tune with the will of God in our generation and not drunk and disorderly like the world. Or as I said before, stay woke. Understand God's prophetic time clock, you'd be like, nah, man. (laughs) See, see, I grew up in a house when I knew it was December 1st. It didn't even have to be like the 21st because Christmas was coming. If I couldn't act good, the whole, I mean... Christian, I couldn't hold my behavior. Christian, Christian, I just need to talk to you for a second. When I was your age, I didn't know how to act good the whole year along. But at least in December, I knew I needed to act good because if I did, it wasn't Santa Claus is making a list and checking it twice. I knew mama was buying it, but I knew they would buy less if I was acting bad in December. So the timing affected my behavior. If you understand the prophetic time, it'll affect your behavior, too. That's right. Number four, there is a principle of prophetic pattern repetition that occurs in Scripture. Often biblical scholars find one instance of prophetic fulfillment and lock onto it as if it was the only one. 
See, this is why people argue with you, and then they say, well, see, this scripture proves my point. Another person takes another scripture and proves an opposite point, or they might take the same scripture and prove it a different way. But what they have done, they've taken a text in isolation and not put it within the scope of the whole 66 books. That's right. Right? So there's pattern repetition. They lock on to only one. All right? Number five. There is a pattern of prophetic types and shadows that foreshadow the first coming of Christ. We gave you some, right? Just like the lamb was offered up by the high priest, he would be offered up. Just like Abraham offered Isaac his son, God would offer his son and be resurrected, right? Just like Jonah was in the well um, three days and three nights, so he would be in the earth three days and three nights and rise again. There were scriptures that foreshadowed his first coming. What I'm telling you is, just like there were, God not only calls his first shot, he called his last shot too. Okay. Number six, Satan has always wanted to assume the place of God, whether in heaven and on earth throughout history. This will not change. He's always wanted to be like God. That's what did he offer Eve? You're going to be like God. You big dummy. You already like God. You were made in his likeness. He wasn't trying to get you to be like God. He was trying to get he was trying to get him to be your God so he could be God for you. Number seven, there are three distinct groups that have collective destinies being dealt with by God. Those three groups are the nations of the earth. Second one is the nation of Israel. And the third is the holy nation, which is the church. That holy nation comes from all nations, tribes, kindreds, and peoples. And then finally, number eight, there is a clear pattern in scripture of diverging destinies. I know y'all watch come Sunday and you heard of Carlton Pearson say, everybody get to go to heaven. You get a car, you get a car, you get a car. But your Bible tells you that there are diverging destinies. Some people will face destruction and will not escape. We just read that. It wasn't even an Old Testament passage of scripture that said it. All right. Some miraculously saved and others horribly lost. I want to be with the saved ones. How about you? All right. I'm going to. I want to show you one of these patterns and how it works so you can kind of get the sense of what I'm talking about here. Let me find it in my notes. Because I want to I want to wet your whistle. I want to wet your appetite. I want to show you the power of understanding um, the, the prophetic events. Um, look at Hosea. I'm in number four media team. Look at Hosea chapter 11, verse one, Hosea chapter 11, verse one. I'm at four J. 
Let's look at this scripture. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called, this last part is the piece we're going to focus on, and called my son out of Egypt. Okay? Pastor David says that people will take a text and pick one thing when there's a pattern of multiple repetitions. So let me walk you through how that happens. So I could take this passage of scripture and then I could go back and talk about how Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, couldn't I? And y'all would shout, yeah, he delivered them. Oh, Mary, don't you eat? Martha, don't you moan? Pharaoh's army done drowned. See, come on. In the Red Sea, sea, right? I could could take that passage of scripture and go back there and talk about Moses. I could take that same scripture and talk about the fact that Herod tried to kill Jesus, and then they took Jesus to, to Egypt, and then he came back. And when Matthew documented that, he quoted this same passage of scripture saying he was the fulfillment of this prophecy that out of Egypt, God called his son, didn't he? See, now I'm already up to two things from one scripture, aren't I? I could take that same scripture and say Egypt is a type of a person being in sin and bondage. And that you say, but you stuck in bondage to the devil. God's calling you out of your Egypt. I have given you already the same one scripture and three different events that can accurately be talked to from that scripture. Haven't I? All right. Now I'm about to go downtown on you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now we get to the good part. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse eight. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. There is a scripture. This scripture talks about two prophetic witnesses that God raises up that do judgment in the last day. Look at it. And then they will be killed. I'm going to give you the first part of it, but I just want to tie the scriptures together. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the people's tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put in graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make, make merry, and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now after, this is Revelation 11, 8 through 12. Now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. Out of Egypt, God called his sons, didn't he? Now I've given you a fourth one. That's also accurate to that same one scripture, haven't I? If those first three are true, I don't have a right to say that the last one is false. Okay, do you see that? Because if you don't get that, then I need to, I got to stop. Do you see? 
I can't. If I say that last one wasn't real, I have to say that Moses wasn't real, that Jesus wasn't really brought out, that you weren't brought out. I have to say the other three are wrong if the last one is wrong. Do you see the power? I just took you back to the future. All right. Um. Oh, by the way, let's talk about this Egypt thing. You know, some people, instead of having a Christian cross, have an ankh. That's, that looks like a cross, but has a loop on the top of it. That's not a black cross. That came from Egypt. What you doing with an ankh in your church? God trying to get you out of Egypt and you carrying the sign of Egypt into the church of the living God. So stop missing, mixing Egyptian theology trying to be black and proud when God's delivering you out of Egypt, but you're trying to wear Egypt, take Egypt. Egypt is the place to be. We used to dance to that, didn't we? I'm dating myself, but somebody know that. See, that's 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 old. That's older than some of y'all. But but somebody know what I'm talking about. And you Hebrew Israelites, stop that stuff. You got a better covenant through Jesus Christ than trying to go back and be a Israelite. You don't need it. All right. All right I'm, I'm meddling now. And the fact. Now, now let me give you some prophetic interpretation here. Now we're not going to use the world to determine what the words say. We're going to use the word to determine where the world is. The fact that the city of the great king where Jesus, where Jesus was crucified, which was Jerusalem, that that city could be spiritually Sodom means that the nation of Israel eventually has to give itself over to homosexuality, doesn't it? Now, I didn't go out and start reading some, hey, I heard that they trying to practice something over there. I just read the word. It can't be spiritually Sodom if they don't give themselves over to the sexual sin that was in Sodom. Yes. See the power? See the power? Mm-hmm. All right. And see, we as Christians that look like you and me are bad for mixing the world, mixing Egypt with the church. See, you never going to see destiny generation that I'm going to have an imam sitting on my pulpit, even if his name is Louis Farrakhan, even if she's the queen of soul. Now, just because they have they just because the pulpit say one Lord, one faith and one baptism. And see, listen, listen, forget Ariana and the boob. He's touched the body of Christ. And then we're going to sing songs for the Lord and then songs that belong in a bar, not at the altar of Jesus Christ. Stay woke. Don't be those that are drunk and in darkness and in the night. Stay sober. All right. You can feel like a natural woman if you want to. Jesus is saying, all I want in my house is a little bit of respect. All 
cast this out of my father's house. My father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer. You have made it a den for thieves. See how I've taken end time events and gave you real revelation that's relevant to the day that you live in right now. Let me give you one more and then we're done. Are you getting out? Are you, is this blessing you? Yes. All right. Look, look at James chapter five, verse 17 and 18. I'm down at NN media team. James chapter five, verse 17 through 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for how long? Three years and how long? How long? And he prayed a grin and the heaven gave rain and the earth produces fruit. Now, the apostle John, excuse me, the apostle James is referring to an incident that is recorded in scripture in first Kings chapter 17 and 18. It's recorded in scripture. It's treated not like a theory, it's treated like fact, isn't it? Jesus referred to this same incident in Luke chapter 4, verse 25. So if I don't believe it happened, then I'm saying that first Kings was wrong. I'm saying that Jesus is wrong and I'm saying that James is wrong. If I don't believe that it didn't not rain on the earth for how long? Three years and six months. When Elijah said so, then I'm calling Jesus a liar. You got that? We all clear on that, right? Okay. I don't know about you. I'm not going to call the one who says my name is the truth. Who says, verily, verily, truly, truly. I'm not going to call the one who the word says is truth. A liar. All right. The apostle James and John referred to Elijah calling down fire in Luke 9, 54. And Jesus accepted it as a true account, didn't he? Now turn to Malachi chapter four, verses five through six. Malachi chapter four, verses five through six. Now Malachi says. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the father to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Now you and me have heard this scripture read and they say, rightfully so, that John the Baptist is the fulfillment of this scripture, haven't they? Have you ever heard that? He's the one that came in the spirit and power of Elijah. Gabriel told Zacharias, he's going to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. Okay. Elijah is a fulfillment of this scripture, but he's only one. He's not the only one. He fulfilled that coming before the great day of the Lord. The dreadful day of the Lord ain't happened yet. Okay. Now let's go back. Let me ask you a question again. Not a trick question. How long was there no rain on the earth? Three years, six months. 
three years and six months. If I convert that into just months without the years, how many months would it be? 42 months. Three years and six months is 42 months. If they were 30 month, 30 day months, 30 times 42 is 1,260 days. All right. Just get your calculator out if you don't trust your pastor. Now let's turn to Revelation 11 verse 1. Now we're going to start out and talk about these two witnesses again. Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood and said, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside of the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for how many months? Oh, that's that 42 months again. That's that three years and six months, isn't it? Verse three, and I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy one thousand two hundred and sixty days. There's that three years and six months, 42 months or one thousand two hundred and sixty days closed in sackcloth. Verse four then refers to a prophecy by Zechariah, the one where we said not by might, not by power, but by his by, by his spirit. And there was these two two uh, olive trees next to the lampstand. Look at verse four. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the whole of the earth. Uh Oh, I can't discount Zechariah, even though it's an Old Testament prophecy. Can I? No. Right. right now, look at verse five. If anyone wants to harm them, then fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And then if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. Uh oh, they can call fire out. Oh, Elijah called it out fire. So I can't say it's not real. It's not really fire because it's not really. Fi- hold it. Hold it. It's the same, same, same spirit that was on the first Elijah. He called down fire. Now look at verse six. These have the power to shed heaven so that it rains, falls, so that no rains falls in the days of their prophecy. How long are they prophesying? Three years and six months, 42 months, 1,260 days. They have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as they desire. And when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them and kill them. But we saw the rest of the book that on the third day that they rise again and God out of Egypt caused his sons into heaven. Now, if, uh, if, if I can't discount the fact that Elijah stopped rain for three years and six months, how can I say that these, that this can't be literally true? They got to both be true or they're both false because it's a single book. It's the same repetitive pattern being shown over and over again. Do you see how you just went back to the future, didn't you? See, when you understand it as a single book by a single author, 
working it all together, that he called his shot the first time and that he's calling his shot the second time and that he's using these prophetic repetitive patterns to demonstrate that his fingerprints are on this. You have great clarity. I don't argue with people. They don't know the Bible. And, it, and I didn't even need to speculate. There was no speculation. I didn't see something on Google and say, that's, that's God. I didn't do that. I just read your Bible. Same one that you've already been reading, believing. Same one you've been holding and trusting. Mm -hmm. But you can have that same kind of confidence that if God has shown you all of this, when it's time for you, when the stuff starts going down, that you are going up. When you see these signs, lift up your head. Your redemption draws nigh. Do you see how we can have confidence in the middle of a world full of confusion? You can trust that God has come for you. He has a plan for you, not only just your destiny on the planet, but for your destiny for all eternity. Hallelujah. Glory to God.